Um, I'm just going to be very brief in introducing John because we want to give him plenty of time for ministry. But it's, it's great to have uh, Dr. John Andrews bringing the Word of God. Uh, we knew John from his last visit as the Parage guy. Um, yeah, because he talked about porridge and I think we talked about porridge in our house for, for, for probably a year after that. And I think this is testament to how John can take words and turns of phrase and make them memorable and meaningful. John and I met in 2011. Um, he had just uh, taken up a role on the new national leadership of, of, of ARG uh, and I just started my PhD and also my ministry training. So John and I uh, got to meet and chat and talk about theology and history and ARG and all that sort of stuff. Um, and John had been uh, and is a, uh, a church leader, a, a, a church growth. Is uh, is into transformation and change of churches, of people, of discipleship. Um, sadly. Uh, we sang that you'll never walk alone. He does share an affliction with our elder Kevin Davis that he supports Liverpool. And if you look closely enough on his face mask, you'll see the little emblem there. Um, he also has a couple of sausage dogs, so I think that redeems him a little bit and, and endears him to us. Um, but John uh, moved up to Scunthorpe to support his family um, just before lockdown. And uh, John now... Uh, as, as, well, I say now, but he's had a developing ministry as an author, as a speaker, uh, both UK nationally and internationally as well. So we're very, very blessed to have him here. He has a heart for God's people. He has a God, heart for God's word. So I'll just pray for him now. Father God, I pray for Dr. John Andrews. I pray that the words that you've placed on his heart, as he speaks them out, will be anointed by you, that they will come, they will touch our hearts, they will open up your word to us, and that will, they will transform us. We will go out of this place transformed by knowing you more than what we did when we came in. So will you bless him, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Dr. John Andrews. Thank you, John. Bless you. Sorry, thank you, darling. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be here. Nice to get the mask off. Ah, although some people think I look better with my mask on, but there we are. Um, thank you for that incredibly warm welcome. Thank you so much. And uh, it is a real joy to be with you. This is my first Sunday out of 2022. So it's just, it's just good to be anywhere, isn't it? It's just wonderful. And uh, thank you for the welcome. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, thank you for the trust. Thank you for the warmth already that I've received. And uh, it is a real uh, joy to be with you. And let me commend you for getting together. I know it is, we're living in weird and wonderful times, right? It's just an incredible season. From one day to the next, we're not quite sure what it's all going to look like. Uh, but let me commend you uh, as a church community for gathering together. I know we've got to uh, be careful with one another and watch over one another. But there's nothing that beats getting together. So uh, thank God for the internet. You know, I, this week I renewed my uh, broadband package with, with a certain internet provider. And uh, the young man talking to me on the phone, he said, has, has it been okay? Because I'm in a two-year package, so I'm renewing. And uh, he, sa he said, has it been okay? I said, to be honest, it's been a lifesaver. I said, like, if the internet had have gone down during lockdown... I don't know what we would have done. We'd have gone into the dark ages. I'm not sure what would have happened. Um, 
And as a result of that, I've done a lot of teaching online and thank God for the technology. Thank God we've been able to do that. If you're an educator here, you'll know that at least that's better than nothing. But, but like, I'm a bit zoomed out, <laughs> do you know? So, uh, and uh, I've had some wonderful experiences on Zoom and some weird ones too. So, uh, you know, um, when you're preaching your heart out on on a subject in the New Testament and you can see someone having their dinner on their knee and they don't realize their camera is still on. And um, there was one particular, one particular evening I was teaching away and I was really giving it. I was going large because, you know, in Zoom, you're trying to stay as enthusiastic as possible. No matter how brilliant your slides are, there's only so much you can do with that. And so you're just trying to be enthusiastic with people. And so I'm going for it. And as I am teaching, I've got my slides on and then I can see sort of a, a group of people uh, on, my, on my, my side of my screen. Uh, there is a, there's a lady making dinner. Not eating dinner, making dinner. And do you know, uh, preachers, if, if you're a preacher or an educator here, you might, uh, well, if you're a woman, you'll understand this. Um, a mul- multiple things are going on in your head at the same time. So you're, you're speaking with your mouth and your brain is going, she's cooking dinner <laughs> while I am trying to teach the Bible and I'm getting a bit annoyed. And so I finished teaching uh, in love. I finished teaching and I left my study and went into the living room. My wife said to me, how did it go? And I said, I've no idea. I said, I've just sort of taught for 45 minutes and there was a woman making her dinner the whole way through. And I'm like, I'm thinking, what's the point in Zooming anything? It's just, and I felt a bit sorry for myself. I know that doesn't happen to you, but I felt a bit sorry for myself. And my wife sort of said to me, oh, you'll be fine. Get over it. It'll be okay. And, uh, and the very next day, I felt a rebuke from the Holy Spirit. I got an email from that woman. Now, how do you know, John, it was that woman? Because she said, I was the woman cooking my dinner <laughs> as you were teaching. And she just, I mean, it was an amazing email. I was, felt so rebuked by the Lord. She said, you know, I, I'm one of those people, if I'm doing something, I listen better. Yeah, I've tried that with my wife and it really doesn't work. Um, <laughs> But she's trying that on with me, and she said, uh, and actually she said, what you brought last night, w- w- last night was transformational. It really has spoke to me. And she listed a number of things that meant she really was listening. And, she, and the takeaways, and I felt rebuked by the Spirit and uh, that, that actually embrace Zoom, embrace the world of Zoom, planet Zoom. Thank God for it. But it's lovely to see you, even with your mask on. You're looking good. All right, so uh, thank you for having me. And uh, it's my joy for a few minutes to share the word of God. And I was thinking about what to bring to you because this is the the first Sunday I'm out. You probably had a service last Sunday, but I felt like I wanted to be open to bring something to maybe encourage you for 2022. Is that okay? And as I was reflecting and thinking on that back in December, I was in the gospel of Luke for my everyday Bible readings, part of my devotions. And I read this story, and as I read the story, the Holy Spirit just quickened something to me, and it's become, it's been sort of in me for about six weeks. I've just been chewing this over, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. So if you've got a Bible and you want to follow a reading with me, I'm going to read two very short passages. The first one is in Luke chapter 10, and we'll read from verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. 
And then the next one is in the very next book of the Bible, John's Gospel, chapter 11. And you'll see the wee link, and I'll explain it to you as we go. Let me get my specs on here, and I'll read from the Bible. So here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Doesn't tell us how the story concluded. Luke moves on very quickly. Jesus uh, there in the midst of that. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And then John chapter 11, just the first six verses. Now, John chapter 11 is, is a little bit time later and we're back to the same family, but John chapter 11 introduces this amazing moment where Lazarus is raised from the dead. So this is the beginning of this story in John chapter 11, and it says this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And you'll discover that in chapter 12 of John. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. So let me just refer you back to the Luke story. And, and every single time I've heard that story preached on, without exception, Martha has always had the rough end of the deal. Okay? Um, because our focus, and rightly so, it seems in that story, is on Mary. Jesus, in fact, even hints at that very strongly. Mary has chosen the right thing at that moment to do in, in sitting at the feet of Jesus. And therefore, what often happens is Martha gets bypassed pretty quickly. She's the activist in the kitchen. And actually, every sermon I've ever heard on this, it's about don't be so much of an activist, but learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I would go, amen to all of that. Wouldn't want to push back on any of that. But I want to stand up for Martha today. I want to hashtag Martha rocks today, all right? Okay, so I'm going to defend Martha for a moment in the context of something that I want to encourage you with in 2022. Listen to these words again. Jesus came, and the literal translation would be to a certain village. We know that village was Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. He came to a certain village where a certain woman named Martha opened her home to him. That's the bit I want us to think about. Everything that gets to happen in the life of Martha 
Mary and Lazarus is recorded in the Gospels gets to happen because Martha opened her home. Come on. That's a huge moment and and we miss it because we're rushing to the punchline of the story. Because everybody's told us the punchline of the story is the bit where Mary is commended for sitting at the feet of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus himself. And we wouldn't want to push back on that, but we miss an important moment of profound detail if that's all we see in Luke chapter 10. Luke makes it clear to us that a certain woman in this certain village opened up her home to him. And here's what I've discovered. There are some decisions we make that don't just change our world as an individual, but actually have the potential of impacting the world of the people around us. And this is such an important idea as we think about our lives in the 21st century, that actually here's a woman and she is prepared to open up her home to Jesus. Now, the text is a little bit vague, but it doesn't seem to suggest that Jesus is going to Bethany, to the house of Martha. The implication is that Jesus is journeying through a certain village. But while he's journeying through that village, Martha goes, why don't you come into my house? It's not like he's going to Martha's house. It's the implication is he's going to the village where Martha lives, but Martha takes the opportunity to open up her home and say, why don't you come in here? I love that. So easy to miss that. And and there's something powerful here in this invitation because this invitation creates an opportunity that continues to enrich this family for years to come. This one decision by Martha is absolutely crucial. The word that the NIV translates opened is a beautiful word in the language of Dr. Luke. It's, It's a compound word, hupodecomai. It's a beautiful word, and it literally means this, under to receive. So here's the idea of opening, because when you read the the phrase opening, it just sounds like Mary was being, or Martha was being just hospitable. But the word is stronger than that. The word means this, to receive under your care. Martha wasn't just being a, a nice person by offering Jesus a cup of coffee. Uh, and to take a load off, Martha wanted Jesus to come under her care. She wanted to extend something of herself to him. She wanted to give him something that would enrich him and that would bless him. And here's what I want you to notice. No one else in that village invited him in. She's the only one. There must have been other religious people in Bethany. There must have been other good people in Bethany. But she's the only one that invites him in. She received him under her care. So I want you to hear that. It's not just, it's not a casual thing. This is a deliberate, intentional, generous act of kindness and service to Jesus. She is opening up her home to him because she wants to care for him. And that's why she gets so annoyed. That's why she gets so annoyed at Martha because it looks, or she gets so annoyed at Mary because it looks like Mary doesn't care. Are you with me? And sometimes because we see Mary sitting and Martha working, we think that 
Mary is the more spiritual of the two. And that's a mistake. Martha is the one who opens up her home to him. And here's what I want you to hear throughout this few moments I have with you. When we are prepared to open our hearts to him, his world opens to us. Come on. If we want his world, we must open up our world. Are you with me? And I meet a lot of beautiful Christians and they want all the best of his world without opening their world. Now we've been singing about his faithfulness, his grace and his generosity. And one of my favorite expressions in the Psalms is that great is your loving kindness that reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness that reaches to the skies. I recite that every day as part of my devotions and part of my prayer. We serve a most incredible, generous, good and amazing, kind Lord. Don't we? He's good and his love endures forever. But actually, there's a paradox here that even though he's all of those things, he's generous and he's kind and he's, he pursues us with his love, there's a sense in which he also wants me to cooperate with that. He wants me to, he wants me to open myself to him. He wants me to open my heart, open my mind, open my home, open my world, whatever my world looks like and whatever your world looks like. And here's what he says to me. If you will open your heart to me, I will open my world to you. Come on. That's the bargain of the century, right? Whatever it's going to cost me, to open up and bring Jesus under my care, whatever it's going to cost me to stop what I'm doing and allow Jesus into my world, that's got to be a bargain in comparison to being given access into his world. Come on. And, and that's what's going on here. Martha doesn't know it yet. She doesn't know it yet. But she has just opened herself and her family to the most amazing world that is to transform all of their futures. All she's doing is opening up her home. All she's doing is letting Jesus in and taking him under her care. But as a result of that, Jesus is now prepared to open his world to her. Come on, I love that. He loves every single one of us. He has the best intentions for every one of us, but there is a tension to be managed here that he is also looking for invitation. Come on. He's looking for invitation in our everyday world. And Martha does that. So, so hashtag Martha rocks. Why? Because everything we're about to see happens because Martha opened her home. And as I began 2022, I began with this verse in mind. Lord, I want to be a man, even though I've been a follower of Jesus since I was eight years old, and I'm 55 now, and even though I've been in ministry for almost 35 years in terms of full-time ministry, I began this year afresh by saying, Lord, I want to be open to you. 
I want to ensure that every day I am extending to you an invitation to come into the details of my world. Why? Uh, not just because I need you, but in, the, in the sense that I'm a broken human and I need the Lord, but because I need my world expanded beyond the horizons of John Andrews's worldview, because I know that when I open up my life to him, his world gets open to me. And when that happens, everything changes. Can you say amen? amen? Do you believe that? So three things really quickly that happen as a result of Martha opening her home. And these are all, all the evidence of this is found in the Gospels. So I'm not making any of this stuff up. The first thing that we discover is this. Her home becomes a home of learning. Everybody loves the idea. Captured in verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, for those of you that have done a bit of research into the Gospels, you will know that this is a big moment. And Dr. Luke loves the story of both the marginalized and women in particular in his gospel. His gospel starts with women as the main voice in his birth narrative. He has women as the main proclaimers of the resurrection at the end of the book. And he's got women all through. In fact, in Luke chapter 8, he's got a, an incredible insight that women formed many of the wider disciples of Jesus' discipleship group literally supporting his ministry out of their own means. In other words, Luke's saying they weren't just there to make the tea. They were integral to the ministry of Jesus. That's all through the Gospel of Luke. And here we have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is a massive endorsement to women in the context of the first century world. Jesus is allowing formally a woman to take a position of a learner at the feet of the rabbi. It's a massive moment. Doesn't mean much to me and you in the 21st century, in the first century world. This is, is an, and we are right to make a huge issue of that. That actually Jesus is an emancipator and a liberator of women. That actually he came to redeem the image of God, not just in humanity in general, but in male and female in particular, to restore them to the pre-fall view of God's creative image within them, which was to rule the earth, subdue the earth and fill the earth. That's all of us, not just the men. So this is a big moment in that context, but here's what I want you to see. Mary only got to learn because Martha opened. Mary gets to be a disciple because Martha opened her home. And I want you to see the learning isn't just kept to Mary here. Because the implication is if you only stick with Luke 10, Mary does all the learning stuff and Martha does all the work stuff. But if we flip into John chapter 11 and look at some of the detail here, let me just read you a few verses from John 11. So Jesus is coming to raise Lazarus from the dead and Martha gets to hear about it. Listen to these words. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, look at this, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Wow. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says to Martha. Yes, Lord, she replied. Listen to these words. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming to the world. Wow. Now, when we look at those words, we notice three things really quickly. That first of all, Martha's the one going out to Jesus. Not Mary. Martha meets Jesus. Secondly, Martha says to Jesus, whatever you do, I'm cool with it. You, you can do whatever you want. And I have faith to believe that whatever you ask the Father for, he will give it to you. And then thirdly, look at Martha's confession. You are the Christ, the Son of God. Where have we heard that before? This rivals Peter's confession. In Matthew 16, when Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you haven't learned this. This has been given to you by my Father in heaven. And on this rock, on this confession, the church will be built. Later on, Thomas says, when he sees Jesus, my Lord and my God. And so often we, we talk about Peter's confession being amazing and Thomas's confession being amazing. But look at Martha's confession. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God who has come into the world. What does that show us? That Martha didn't stay in the kitchen. But Martha became a disciple as well. Martha, at some point in her world, moved from being just an activist to being someone at the feet of Jesus who now has a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. By inviting Jesus into her world, she now has a view of Jesus that has changed her world. Wow. What an amazing thing. What an amazing idea this is. That actually, when we open up our hope home to him, open up our hearts to him, open up our minds to him, we open up the possibility of learning new things about him that continue to transform our lives. And actually, though we may invite him in because we've got an understanding of who he is, it's inviting him in that will increase our understanding of who he is. Amen. Come on. That's why it's so important that we are gathering together. That's why it's so important that we're connected to the Word of God. Why? Because when I invite Jesus into my world, it opens up my world to see Him as I have never seen Him before. Or to see Him in a fresh way that I've seen Him before. Or to see Him in a way that, be, that continues to encourage and motivate and empower and transform my faith. And if I've learned anything over the 18 months to two years of lockdown is that without a vision of Jesus, we're stuffed. With Zoom or without Zoom, we're stuffed. It, it's been Jesus and a vision of Jesus that has held me in the lockdown. It's been, when, when we've, we've no idea what's coming next, it's an understanding He is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the faithful one. He's the one who will never leave us or forsake us. He's the one who will walk with us always. That's a revelation. And many, many people believe they believe those things, but it's when we invite him in that it really becomes a revelation to us of who he is. That he is the Christ, the Son of God. 
That's why it's important. Even if you've been a Christian a million years, it's really important that we, on a daily basis, welcome Him into our world. Because we're actually, we don't know Him. But when we welcome him into our world, we are welcoming a fresh good revelation of his greatness and of his love and of his goodness and of his mercy. When we open our hearts to him, his world opens up to us. And can I say this to you? Now, you may know this, so you, you, you may think you know this, but let me say it to you anyway. What our world needs more than ever is a church community who knows who Jesus is. Come on. It's a better amen than that, honestly. It really is. And I'm learning that we, we're not here to invite people to church. We're here to invite people to Jesus. We're here to get people to Jesus, to get Jesus to people, because it's when Jesus gets into somebody's world, everything changes. And what we may or may not know and what we may or may not have, they're all debatable things in terms of our experience. But actually this I know that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's a life-changing idea. And it's not just an idea in our brain, it's an idea living in revelation in our hearts. Does that make sense? Here's the second thing quickly. Her, her welcome created not only a place of learning, but a place of love. When you go to John chapter 11, there are three dynamic references to Jesus' love for this family, which are absolutely unique in the, in the record of the Gospels. In fact, nowhere does it record Jesus' love for individuals the way it's recorded in John chapter 11. Let me, let me show it to you. We had two in our little reading. Verse 3 of John chapter 11 says this, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Isn't that a strange phrase? Doesn't Jesus love everybody? But yet they, there's something going on in the relationship between Jesus and Lazarus where the sisters say the one you love is sick. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. And in verse 36, when he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, and he's overcome with emotion, when, when Mary comes out, something that Mary does really moves him emotionally, and Jesus starts to cry. And in fact, the strength of the language that Dr. Luke uses, it means he's torn inside. It's a very, very powerful language. And in verse 36, it says, then the Jews who saw this, who are observing this emotional outburst, they said, see how he loved him. Wow. Three references in the space of just a few verses of how Jesus loved his family. And there's a sense in which Jesus loved everybody. Jesus loved the multitude. Jesus loves every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. But here's a really interesting, unique and intimate expression of love to a family in particular. A family who just happened to open up their home to him. Is that a coincidence? Now this is where I'm in dodgy territory, so 
So I admit that right now. Don't hear what I am not saying. Jesus loves every single person in this room. Amen? Jesus loves us irrespective of our social status, gender, color, financial power or lack of. Whoever you are, wherever you are from, you are loved in exactly the same way as God loves every other human on the planet. True? We accept that idea? So I say all of that to say this, but when we welcome him in, we can experience an intimacy of his love. It's not greater love. It's not better love. It's not like Premier League love as opposed to First Division love. But it's, we are now aware of the loveness that we have. We're now understanding how loved we are. The one you love is sick. Look how he loved him. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I mean, you cannot get any more explicit than that. There's something else going on here. Yes, he loves the world. Yes, he loves the multitudes. Yes, he loves every man, woman, boy, and girl. That's who he came to save. But because Martha opened her home, Jesus was able to demonstrate his love to them in a dynamic, personal, intimate, transformational way. Come on. You are loved. And I love this idea. Later on in chapter 12, the very next chapter of John, we've got this incredible idea where Jesus is back in Bethany. Martha is serving him. Lazarus is reclining at the table and it says, Mary took a pint of pure nard, a very expensive perfume, and anointed the feet of Jesus. Wow, look at this. See, you've got in chapter 11, three expressions of love. And in chapter 12, you've got the three people expressing their love to him in an intimate table fellowship setting. Why? Because there's an intimacy here in this relationship. Can I say this? This applies to every year, not just 2022. But the Lord longs for intimacy. Can I say this carefully? I don't want to offend anybody. Not like 25 minutes of worship on a Sunday morning, but intimacy. Now, thank God for the 25 minutes. It helps. But if that's all, come on, come on. It's, it's, he doesn't want a casual relationship. He wants intimacy. And, and intimacy is expensive. Intimacy costs you time. It will cost you even money. It will cost you attitudes even within your own heart that need to be adjusted in order to be intimate with the one you want to be intimate with. It will mean change. It will mean that I cannot remain as I am if I want to move towards something intimate with somebody else. But it's always worth it. It's worth it. 
Why? Because we get to experience not just a theological truth, we're loved. That's a theological truth. And we go, amen. That's in the Bible. Amen. But an experiential reality where you know you are loved. If I'd have pound for every follower of Jesus who theologically knew they were loved, but experientially lived like unloved, I would be independently wealthy. I'm not, that's not a joke. That is the truth. In our heads, oh, Jesus loves me. But then in our world, we're not living like we're loved. We're not living in the freedom of that love, the truth of that love, the life of that love. We are loved. And, and how do we discover that love in a more intimate way? We, we intentionally welcome him into our world and we pursue him and allow him to pursue us. We'll pray about that in just a moment. Here's the last thing that Martha's invitation did. It created a place of learning. It created a place of love. Lastly, it created a place of life. John chapter 11, some of the greatest words Jesus ever uttered are spoken to Martha. Did you notice that? In John chapter 11, Jesus said to her, who's her there? It's Martha. And what did he say to her? I am the resurrection and the life. Life-changing words. My mother passed away last February because of COVID and the restrictions. I couldn't get, I watched my mother pass away on FaceTime. Now, listen, honestly, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. It was the most incredible experience. My mother loved Jesus since she was 15 years old. My father's already in heaven. So in fact, when she was taken into hospital, she told the ambulance driver, I'm going to heaven, son. He thought he was just taking her to hospital, but she was clearly ready for somewhere else. And within a week, she was in heaven. And my mother was there when, because my, my sister was there in the room with my brother-in-law. My, my brother's already passed away. He's already in heaven. But my, my sister's in the room uh, and we're on FaceTime. The family gathered around my iPad in my little study at home. And we are watching my mother take her last breath. And I said to my sister, isn't it amazing? She was there when we took our first breath. And we had the privilege of being there when she took her last breath. And I remember my mother, she'd gone into this lovely, peaceful sleep. There was a sense of stillness came over the room. In fact, we didn't, from about 10 to 5 to about 10 past 5, nobody spoke. It was the most amazing experience. It was just a stillness came over the room. And about 10 past 5, because I'm watching it on the iPad, that's how I know so accurately, my wee mommy, she breathed in. She, it was like she held her breath. She breathed out. And she was in heaven. I am the resurrection and the life. It's a life transforming idea. It's a, an idea our world needs to hear today. In the midst of COVID and fear and terror and the pestilence that stalks us in the darkness. We need to understand he is the resurrection and the life. And although I miss my mom, I miss my dad, I think of her every day. I caught myself the other day trying to phone her. What? John, uh, 
you know, I know Zoom's good, but I'm not quite sure it's making it all the way to heaven. But, I, I, you know, I'm so used to phoning my mom every single day that I just wanted to phone her. I forgot she's, she's gone. She's gone. But she's more alive today than she's ever been. Her body's in the grave, but she's not. And these great words are spoken to Martha. I am the resurrection. And of course, a few verses later, Jesus stands at the grave of the one he loves and he says, Lazarus, come out. Somebody, somebody once said that he had to use the name Lazarus or all the dead people would have come out. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a cool idea. In a certain, right? But he says, Lazarus, come out. He calls Lazarus by name into life. And Lazarus was raised from the dead because Martha opened her home. Come on. Come on. Who knows what can happen when we're prepared to open? If we're prepared to open our hearts to him, he will open his world to us. I don't know what that looked like for you. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain Martha had no idea what it was going to look like for her back in Luke chapter 10 when she opened up her home to Jesus. But if opening up our hearts is anything like this, it's worth it, right? Come on, it's worth it. And even if you've been a Christian a long time, it's worth getting intentional about this again. Even if you've been a Christian a few moments, even if you're here and maybe you're looking for Jesus, you're looking for life, you're looking for hope, to open up your world to him is the greatest thing any man or woman, boy or girl can do because we're not just opening up so that he can cleanse our sin, which is an amazing idea and secure an eternal destination in heaven, which is an incredible idea. And we say amen to all of that. But actually, in between having your sin open and going to heaven, there is a world that the Lord wants to open up to us that is only possible when we open up our world to Him. He is so much more for us. He is so much more for you. I believe that He has things in His heart for you and for me that actually become possible because we say, please come in. Don't rush past. Come on in. Come on in. Come into my world. And I'm not talking about getting saved again. Or I'm not talking about becoming a Christian again. I'm talking about living with a mentality of welcome. Living with an attitude that says in the ordinary, in the everyday, in the routine, in the normal, in the Monday morning normality of our world, we get up and we say, Jesus, we welcome you into our normality. We welcome you into our mundaneness. We welcome you into the everydayness. We welcome you into the pain and the joy of our lives because we want our hearts to be open to your world. We don't just want to be trapped in our own. Come on. And maybe as we open up to him, our hearts will learn afresh we will perhaps experience the intimacy of his love in a fresh way. Perhaps it allows his life to flow in us, supernatural life to flow in us and through us and do things for us that are beyond our imagination. Let me encourage you 
to do three things practically. And with this, I'm closing. Number one, every day, welcome him. But John, I'm a Christian. Jesus lives in my heart. It's absolutely. But welcome him. When I open my eyes every morning, the first prayer I pray is this. Blessed are you, Lord, my God. King of the universe. For you have returned my soul to me. Blessed are you, Lord Jesus, creator of the world and savior of my soul. For great is your faithfulness and your mercies are new every morning. Before I do anything, before I go to the toilet, which is, as I'm getting older, happening more often has to be said. Before I do anything, I open my eyes. It is the first thing I have trained my heart to say. Why? Because I want to welcome him. I don't want to miss him. I don't want to get used to him. I don't want to be familiar with him. I don't just want to be a clever theologian. I want to be a passionate lover of Jesus. Because in the lockdown, it has been his relentless faithful love that has held me. So, So when you get up in the morning, whoever you are, however long you've been a Christian, if you're like me a million years or so, get up and say, Jesus, come in. Come into my world. Not, you're, you're saved, but come into my world. Intentionally bring him into the routine of your world because that creates a consciousness of him as you go. Second thing I want to encourage you to do, read Jesus. Whatever you're reading in the Bible, and some of us will be doing the Bible in a year and all sorts of Bible programs, read the Gospels. I am mesmerized how many wonderful followers of Jesus don't read Jesus. And if we want to be open to his world, we've got to read him. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, contain virtually all the words of Jesus spoken to us. Open up your heart to his words. Read the gospel slowly. Invite him in. Lord, as I read these stories of you, may I see you, know you, and love you that my life would be transformed. I'm reading the gospel slower than I've ever read them. And I'm seeing him more than I've ever seen him. I've studied the Bible all my adult life and I'm seeing things. And how did I miss this? I'll tell you how I missed it because I'm rushing. I'll tell you how I missed it because I thought I knew what it said. I'll tell you how I missed it because I've read that bit before. And I know what it says. But when we welcome him in the reading of Scripture, we might just hear what we haven't heard before. Here's the third piece of advice in welcoming Jesus. Get around Jesus' lovers. Get around people who love Jesus. It's not a coincidence to me that the expressions of love of Martha, Mary and Lazarus are always together. They form a little mini Jesus community. They encourage each other in faith for Jesus. Now, they're not the only people we should be around, but here's what I've discovered. When I get around Jesus lovers, I tend to see Jesus more. 
which equips me and empowers me to take Jesus to people who don't know Jesus. But get around Jesus, lovers. That's why it's important to get connected to community one way or another. But connect to Jesus' loving communities. Martha opened her home to him. One action which changed everything. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've come searching today, I want to encourage you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Not the easiest decision. Not the cheapest. It's a decision that will cost you. People say to me today, well, I have to give stuff up to be a follower of Jesus. Absolutely. I'm a married man. You can't be married and single at the same time. You want to be married? You have to give up single. Are you with me? You know, we're all New Year's resolutions. Let's get to the gym. Well, there's no point getting to the gym if we're going to have three McDonald's every day. Are you with me? There's some things you've got to give up to get what you want. And if you are searching, this is the best decision you could ever make to open up your heart to Jesus. But I'm probably speaking in the majority, if not total, of the room to people who are followers of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you intentionally slowed your world down and welcomed him in? Put your phone down long enough to hear his voice. Slowed your world down long enough to read his words and not rush off. Sat with followers of Jesus and enjoyed the experience. It is so easy to follow him and yet not commune with him. And I want to encourage you, open up your hearts to him. If you can, why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you right now. <clears throat> I don't know if the band are finishing with a song or... In a few moments, we're going to have coffee and tea and chatting with one another. Some of you will need to rush off and do lunch. And in a few moments, noise will break out all over the room. Phones will be taken out of pockets if they haven't already been done so. And we'll be back into our world. But following Jesus is not, it's not like engaging in fast food. We don't just place our order, get what we want and go. Following Jesus is about slowing our world down so that we can invite him into that world. And so that inviting him into our world, he has the power and the permission to change it. Martha opened her home. And if we will guarantee to open our hearts to him, I guarantee you, I'm not guaranteeing what it looked like, but I guarantee you, 
He will open His world to you. The question is, do we want that world? Do we want Him? Are we prepared to allow Him to sit at our dinner table? Still our hearts. Still the noise. And allow Him to be Lord of our lives. So Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this room representing a variety of experiences, aspirations, joys and fears. But many of us in this room want to follow you, seek to follow you. And Lord, we want to be men and women who open up our hearts to you to give you the chance to be with us, to give you the chance to speak to us, to give you the chance to dwell with us, to give you the chance to change us, Lord, to give you the chance even to change our world. Lord, I want to thank you for Martha who opened up her home to you. But I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace, for you came into her home and you brought learning, you brought love, you brought life. In doing what she could, Lord, she opened up her world to the possibility of allowing you to do what only you can do. So Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room that there will be a fresh desire for you. I pray that there will be a hunger in our hearts for your words. I pray that there will be a desire in our hearts for worship that comes out of the revelation of truth that we hold within. I pray that there will be a fresh desire to be with Jesus' lovers. And I pray, Lord God, that every person in this room who opens their world to you will see the invasion, the explosion, and the expansion of your supernatural grace, loving kindness, faithfulness, and power. Lord, we welcome you. We welcome you. We say to you, come, Lord Jesus. We say to you, enter our world. Enter the detail. Enter the routine. Enter the ordinary. Enter the darkness. Enter the pain. Enter into the joy. Enter into our fear. Enter into our anxiety. Enter in, Lord Jesus, even to our brokenness. That as you enter in, so your love and your resurrection life will live afresh within us. And so, brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you.
may he keep you. May the Lord lift his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.